The Jerusalem Channel is made with the support of you, our viewers. Thank you for watching. Bible prophecy has a lot to say about deception in the last days. According to 2 Timothy 3.13, evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Is deception something that can happen to you and me, even if we are believers? Shalom, and thank you for watching Jerusalem Channel. We're based in Jerusalem where the Lord Jesus told his disciples to go and share the good news of his resurrection to all of the world. And that's what we share to a global audience each week in our Exploits TV show. Jerusalem is a special place in the heart of every believer, but almost half the city's population lives below the poverty line. That's why our ministry's humanitarian outreach has worked with local ministries, supporting food banks and assistance to donating fully equipped ambulances. As we celebrate 40 years of Christian compassion with the people and the land of the book, we value your help in continuing the Jerusalem Channel. The donate button at our website or at our app is the simple way for you to give a gift to keep our Watchman on the Wall lamp burning in these last days. I'm Christine Darig. The people who know God will be strong and carry out exploits for the Lord. That's what the Bible promises in Daniel 11.32b. Yet Jesus warned that one of the chief characteristics of the last days will be the minefield of deception. The Bible predicts that lying signs and wonders will be unleashed on the earth. Following the preaching of the gospel, according to the Bible pattern, believers should experience and discern genuine signs and wonders. But are signs and wonders an automatic guarantee that a religious movement or individual is authentic? In fact, can signs and wonders also surround an imposter? We know that's possible. So we need to study the Bible to discern what is a genuine move of the Spirit of God and what is false. Furthermore, we should test the spirits. The Apostle John wrote in 1 John 4.1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. So there's a lot of confusion nowadays as to what is of God and what is not of God. I want to begin today with a proclamation from Psalm 19 as a prayer. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of 
great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen and amen. I'll begin with a little background today. I've been in the ministry for many years, almost all of my life, really, because I was brought up in a preacher's home by godly parents. Due to the extraordinary guidance of the Holy Spirit throughout my ministry, I've learned not to be afraid of unusual manifestations of the Holy Spirit, even signs and wonders. They do happen. They are legitimate. But we must learn to discern them. One of my favorite sayings of the great faith apostle Smith Wigglesworth is, if you know what's going to happen in a worship service, you're backslidden, meaning we must always be open to the move of the Holy Spirit and give the Spirit of God plenty of liberty in our services to have His way and anything else we do for the Lord, while at the same time not allowing ourselves to be spiritually hoodwinked we simply cannot put the Lord in the proverbial box. Well, some of the most unusual gospel meetings I've ever led were revival services preached with a co-evangelist in Athens, Greece, during the time of the Gulf War in the 1990s. People were getting saved and healed, and our meetings continued way past midnight. At one point, the pastor was so touched by God that he ran around the building like a freight train, and all of the choir members simultaneously fell over like dominoes, not on their backs, but on their faces before the Lord. No one pushed them down. They just all suddenly fell on their faces in God's presence, and nobody was hurt. We've seen tremendous moves of God and various manifestations in our meetings in Egypt, in Arabia, in Pakistan, India. Certainly in Israel, in Europe, and also in the many services in Africa that we participated with, Evangelist Reinhard Bonka of Blessed Memory. A number of years ago, we were conducting a healing service in Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives during the Feast of Tabernacles. Because I was drawn to the Mount of Olives to hold gospel meetings for a number of reasons. I had a great desire to help to prepare the neighborhood to welcome Jesus back. And about 200 persons were worshiping the Lord in what was in those days a place where we often preached called the Tent Park. We'd held meetings there from time to time and were given favor to use that strategic facility by the Muslim owner. Those anointed breakthrough meetings were a prelude to planting a gospel tent with another ministry on the Mount of Olives for a number of years. Well, in those days, I preached a gospel message at the tent park. And during the ministry time, the Holy Spirit fell, and some of the worshipers simply could not get up off the floor. It was like they were pinned down under a tremendous weight of glory. The Muslim staff asked me why the presence of Jesus produced this kind of power, because they had never seen a similar demonstration in their mosques. One of those Muslims got saved because of the signs of the presence of the Holy Spirit. That same type of manifestation happened in the revival in Arabia that I was a part of in 1994. 
Muslims came onto the compound where the revival was unfolding. They came simply to deliver a package. But as soon as they stepped onto the compound, they were struck by the power of the Holy Spirit. And for about 45 minutes, so that they could not stand up, later they asked what was going on and requested a Holy Bible. Glorious manifestations also took place in one of our Passover conferences in Jerusalem in the 1990s. As we were holding a communion service on the day of the Passover meal in the upper room on Mount Zion, it was also the beginning of the Sabbath. Mount Zion was an absolutely beautiful and meaningful venue for our Passover conference because this is the vicinity where Jesus held his last Passover Seder known in Christianity as the Last Supper. But as the Sabbath was approaching, so we were obligated to vacate the upper room, a holy site, under the auspices of the Israeli government. But our Holy Spirit meeting was not finished. So it just spilled out into the street, and an unmanufactured, spontaneous outpouring of the Holy Spirit continued from 3 o'clock in the afternoon until past seven in the evening, with dancing under prayer shawls, prophesying, people getting healed, people falling down under the power of the Holy Spirit, unable to stand up again for a long time because of the heaviness of the glory of God upon their physical bodies. Some Roman Catholics in the nearby Domitian Abbey called down to us from their ivory tower asking us to be quiet. But I just looked up, taking my Bible in hand, and quoted from the book of Acts, saying, We're not drunk as you suppose. This is that prophesied by the prophet Joel. So I said, Come on down and join us. And one of those Catholics recognized that we were caught up in a genuine move of God and came down to marvel at the street ministry. It was an absolutely glorious outpouring of the Holy Spirit under and open heaven. At one point, some Israeli soldiers were walking by and they saw a man pinned to the ground by a heavy anointing. Maze, what's this? One of the soldiers asked. And I said, Rock HaRuach HaKodesh. It's just the Holy Spirit. And they said, Beseder, okay. And they stepped over the man and went on their way. <laughs> Hallelujah. But sadly, I have to say that a prominent Messianic leader whom I had invited to be a part of that very conference, totally apostatized later on. He became puffed up and he totally went off the rails into deception. And even though he was younger than I, today he's not even alive. In a telephone conversation that I had with this former Messianic rabbi, I tried to reason with him about the error of his ways. But he didn't want to hear the truth about how he was deceived and how he was no longer following biblical precepts concerning his family life and ministry. I have sought the Lord about how and why deception happens, especially when leaders and ministries go off the rails and fall into the ditch. The Lord said to me, it is because these people receive not the love of the truth. So please hear me today. Truth is something that we must embrace above feelings, above ambition, above our impressions, everything. 
Yes, we must receive the love of truth no matter what the personal cost. There is a cost to becoming a follower of Messiah Jesus and holiness is simply not an option. Let's look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 in the New Testament. And I'm going to start with verse 9. This has something to tell us about deception in the last days, specifically about the coming of the lawless one, speaking of the Antichrist. And it will be, it says, according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders. So here the Word of God plainly tells us that Satan is capable of counterfeiting signs and wonders. That's why they're called here by the Apostle Paul, lying wonders. Yes, they're wonders, but they lie. They mislead. I looked up the word translated lying wonders in the Greek New Testament, and it's Strong's Concordance number 5579, pseudos, meaning, first of all, a lie, and secondly, pseudos means a conscious and intentional falsehood, and thirdly, in a broad sense, pseudos is just not what it pretends to be. There will be a display of power to keep people spellbound in admiration of the Antichrist. While preparing for this broadcast, I reviewed one of the books written by the much-respected Bible teacher, Derek Prince, of blessed memory. The book is entitled, Navigating Through the Minefield of Signs and Wonders. In that book, Derek made the following statement, that unfortunately, most charismatics erroneously seem to think that anything supernatural must be from God. But that's simply not so. Satan is capable of producing supernatural signs and wonders. Let's continue our Bible reading from 2 Thessalonians 2.9. The coming of the lawlessness one, the Antichrist, is according to the working of Satan. It says, with all power, signs, and lying wonders. And then verse 10, with all unrighteous deception among those who perish. Because, and this is what I want to underscore, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. So here Paul tells us our protection against deception is receiving the love of the truth so that we might be saved. Please notice this is something we must consciously do. God offers the love of the truth to us, but we have to be willing to receive the love of the truth. Now, speaking of those who do not receive the love of the truth, it goes on in the next verse, verse 11, which is a very scary verse. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie. Lord, have mercy on this generation and Lord, have mercy on the church. And for this reason, I repeat, God is going to send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie because they didn't love the truth. Right now, there's so much delusion in our culture already because the culture has rejected biblical truth. And verse 12, that they may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but rather had pleasure in unrighteousness. Wow, that's another scary verse. So here we learn that Satan, the arch deceiver, doesn't send the strong delusion God does. He sends or he allows strong delusion upon those who have pleasure in unrighteousness. 
upon those who refuse to receive the love of the truth. This should convince us to cultivate a holy reverential fear of God, not a craven fear of God, but a reverential fear of God who could send strong delusion on us if we don't value truth and if we don't hold it in the highest regard. Let's just take a Selah moment and meditate on this and ask yourself, and I ask myself, do I completely love the truth? Most of us know that in the Greek language, there's more than one word for love. The Greek word for love of truth in this passage is agape. That's the strongest word for love in the Greek language. So loving the truth does not mean just going to church occasionally or occasionally reading a devotional, but it is a passionate commitment to the truth, a commitment to the whole counsel of God from cover to cover in this book. That's what we must cultivate if we are to escape delusion. So the Bible warns us that God will send strong delusion to those who have not received the agape, strong love of the truth. Many years ago in one of my Bible readings, I read the words of David in Psalm 119. I hate every false way. And when I read that verse, the spirit of those words penetrated my spirit. I took them to heart as a precept in my life. I suddenly said, yes, I want to be on the same page with King David to hate every false way, every wrong path. The word of God is living and it creates within us many things. And when a verse like that penetrates our spirit, it creates something powerful and permanent within our spirit. David was bold to say, I hate every false way. And I believe the hatred of false ways can be instilled within us even if we are brought up in a godly home. It doesn't mean that we will hate sinners, but we will hate the sin. My father of blessed memory was a humble and faithful minister of the gospel. He hated a lie, and he wouldn't permit us to tell lies because he hated falsehoods. Such attributes can be passed down to our children. Every time I hear anything that I don't feel is a truth, there is something within my spirit that raises an inner alarm. God can do that for you too. But first you have to receive the love of the truth and then you will hate every false way. So to review what we said so far, in order to avoid deception, we must love the truth and love truth more than wickedness, unrighteousness and every false way, such as the occult. Secondly, I believe we need to petition God that we might receive the spiritual gift of discernment. Jesus said to his disciples many times, see to it that nobody deceives you. Therefore, he said deception would be a chief characteristic of these last days. And the discerning of spirits is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit given in the New Testament and listed by the Apostle Paul. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit that enables us to know within our spirit, whether a thing or a person is from God or whether something is aligned with a false religious spirit or an unclean spirit and so forth. We just have a knowing or if we are around false doctrine or a false minister, we'll have a check in our spirit. We'll feel uneasy, something we should not disregard. There'll be a lack of peace within our spirit and the Holy Spirit is just never wrong if we will listen to him diligently. 
that's the way the discerning of spirits operates. And since we're encouraged by the Apostle Paul to actually covet spiritual gifts, we should freely ask God for the gift of discernment so that obviously we can be saved from end-time deception. Since there is a Bible prophecy by Jesus himself, Matthew 24, 24, that in the last days, even the elect would be deceived if it were possible, we need especially to covet the gift of discerning of spirits. I hope you can see that. So let's petition the Lord in prayer that we don't want to be deceived. And as part of the elect of God, we have the protection of the armor of God. We have the protection of the name of Jesus. And when we receive Jesus into our hearts, we receive the Holy Spirit, who brings within us the capability of every operation of the gifts of the Spirit. So thankfully, we ask for the gift of the discerning of spirits and the love of the truth, and we receive. Now, a third way to guard ourselves from deception is practicing the fear of God. By that, I mean the holy reverential fear of the awesome presence of God. Not regarding God too casually. At a lot of Christian meetings and conferences, we see people acting almost in a silly, flippant manner at times, almost as if they were worshiping in a nightclub. Proverbs 9.10 tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So the fear of the Lord is something we need to ask the Lord to cultivate within our lives. Also, Proverbs 19.23 is an amazing promise. It says, the fear of the Lord leads to life, and he who has it will abide in satisfaction, and he will not be visited with evil. Isn't that a wonderful promise? The fear of the Lord keeps us from being visited from evil, from going through a lot of calamities that might otherwise happen if our lives are foolish. Also, Proverbs 22.4 tells us that by humility and by the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Finally, I'd like to offer a fourth security against deception in these last days, and that is being grounded in the word of the Lord. We can worship the Lord. We can soak in his presence all day, all night. But if we haven't studied the word of God, it will not have been hidden deep within our hearts. And if we don't do that, in other words, if we don't meditate on the word of God day and night and truly know this word from cover to cover, which takes time to learn, then we will be susceptible to many errors and deceptions. And consequently, we'll be tossed about by every wind of doctrine. And unfortunately, that would make us prone to deception. God gives us the liberty to be strong in him or to be weak. He doesn't force us to study his word. He doesn't force us to walk a holy life. Now, faith apostle Smith Wigglesworth famously prophesied that the genuine move of the spirit in the last days will combine the supernatural manifestations of the spirit of the living God that everybody enjoys with the knowledge of the word of God. So to be balanced, I believe you can't have one without the other. In a lot of conferences and meetings, there's plenty of anointed worship, plenty of manifestations of the Holy Spirit, but there's not always a proper exposition of the word of God. And so if we come under a glory cloud and only worship, but 
don't have sound preaching of the word, something is not in balance. And a lot of the moves of God that we see going on today are being compared with moves of God in the past that took place under the great apostles or under the great men of God like John Wesley because there were manifestations of the Spirit in those meetings. However, if you look at the preaching of many of the great revivals in the past, they were always preceded by prayer and repentance and the preaching of the Word. There were not just Holy Spirit manifestations without the preaching of the Word. And so we really need to comprehend that Smith Wigglesworth prophecy that the authentic last day move of God will wed the preaching of the word with manifestations of the power of God. We must watch to see that the word is honorably preached because the Lord said in the Great Commission in Mark chapter 16, these signs will follow them that believe. In my name, he said, you're going to lay hands on the sick. You'll cast out devils and so forth. But all these signs of the gospel follow the preaching and teaching of the word of God. There's an order and preaching comes first. And then when we preach the word and signs follow, that means the Lord is working with us to confirm his word. Another thing you can do so that you'll know that you have built the word of God deeply within you so that you won't be unstable and prone to deception is to get a hold of a 365-day Bible. You can find them in most any Christian bookstore or online. The Word of God is divided into daily readings. And so every day you'll have a reading from the Hebrew Scriptures, a New Testament reading, as well as a psalm for the day, along with a proverb for the day from the book of Proverbs. And by disciplining ourselves to read through a 365-day Bible, we won't go for a week or a month without having ingested the Word of God because we need to nourish our spirits with the Word of God as well as nourishing our physical bodies. So I hope you have a daily time of storing up the Word of God within your spirit because that daily reading will bring forth a daily rhema, a living Word that will guide your footsteps and give you a sense of direction and peace. You see, this Word of God is living, and it speaks to us on a daily basis. It brings constant correction, encouragement, exhortation, and guidance into our lives. And as you read it, the Bible is the only book that reads you. Yes, because it's living, the Word of God has the ability to read your spirit and to convict you of error or encourage you, whatever the case may be. Isn't that wonderful? Well, I hope today that this teaching on the dangers of deception and how we can avoid it in these last days has been helpful to you. I enjoy sharing with you on social media, or you can contact us at our website, exploits.tv, where you can watch all of our videos anytime. Our videos are also available free of charge through our Jerusalem Channel app. And please don't forget to subscribe to our Jerusalem Channel YouTube site. Today, I want to leave you with Colossians 2.8 from the Amplified Bible. It says, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, pseudo-intellectual babble, according to the tradition and musings of mere men, following the elementary principles of this world. Rather, 
than following the truth, the teachings of Christ. And also, I want to leave you with this thought. Call upon the name of the Lord, and so you will be saved. That is what the Bible teaches us. And I encourage you to be sure of your salvation by believing and clinging to Jesus, our Messiah. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Until next time, I'll always be contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem. I'm Christine Darick. Shalom and Maranatha. <laughs>